is great. We praise his name today. It's a privilege to be here at the Heritage Baptist Church. It's an honor to be in this pulpit and be with you today. We're at a moment in time when we need to hear from the Lord. We need a revival. Each and every one of us needs to hear the voice of the Lord. Many souls are perishing without the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 will begin reading in verse number 19. There's millions of souls. There's 5.2 billion people in the 1040 window country that makes up 67 nations. Sri Lanka has 22 million of those souls, 55,000 villages. Half of them have not heard the gospel. I trust today that the Lord will speak to our hearts. Luke 16, verse number 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded though one rose from the dead. The message today is called The Motivation of Missions, a place called hell. When you mention the name hell, there are many reactions. It has become common lingo in the American language. We often hear people tell somebody else, go to hell. Oh, I want to tell you that's not something that should ever come out of our mouth. This church was raised by the Lord Jesus Christ so that people wouldn't have to go there. Oh, but the thought of hell today as you stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's word, it will conjure feelings and thoughts that I pray today that the Lord would take us there, that he would let us listen to those that are there and even something recently that happened in Sri Lanka that I trust today will rattle us, will send us to our knees will help us to understand that the great cause of the Heritage Baptist Church, that that cause is missions. We don't have a mission impossible. We have a possible mission because of what Jesus has done. Let's pray. 
Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the Word of God this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the music today. We're so grateful today, Lord, to know today that there's a heaven. No, Lord, there are people here today who simply need to know the way to go there. Then, Lord, there are those of us who today need a revival. Oh, Lord, open up hell. Help us to see this rich man. Help us to see what he's going through, even at this very moment in time. Speak to our hearts. We ask now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We may not like to think about hell, but hell is a reality. In the teachings of the Bible concerning hell, if they would happen to be a myth, then we have no need for this church. There's no need to come to this service. There's no need to hear a song to be sung, How Great Thou Art. If there's no hell, I want to tell you there's no God in heaven. If there's no hell, there's no reason to have a Bible on your lap. If there's no hell, then all of us should leave this building and go out and eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. But the reality is that we have the holy, the perfect word of God. It's God breathed, it's inspired, it's perfect. It has every word that God wants you and I to know. And our Lord God in heaven says there is a hell and because he said there is a hell indeed there is a hell. Oh, when we think about hell I want you to think about this. There's a consciousness in hell that motivates us to our mission impossible. When we read and meet this rich man in hell, he's alive in the world at one time. He's enjoying his wealth and power. Notice that he says he's a certain rich man. He's clothed in purple. That means he's also a man of royalty. Maybe he bought himself to position. But whatever it may be, this man enjoyed his life. He enjoyed his money. He spent it all on himself apparently because there was a poor man. There was a man there that needed just a little morsel of food, maybe just a little help with some clothing, but that rich man had no compassion on him because he knew not the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you the price of compassion is coming to a Savior and falling on your face and saying, Lord, baptize me with some passion and some compassion for the needs of people, but not this rich man. No, this rich man fared sumptuously every day. That means that he had more than abundance. That means he had more than IRAs. He had more than a lakeside home and a mansion on the land. He not only had a mansion and a lakeside home, he had all of the things that this world could buy, but he thought that one day it would all take him to heaven. Maybe he tipped the temple in that day. Maybe he went to the Jewish priests in that day and just gave him a large amount of money to take care of the repairs at the temple, whatever it may be. But we know this, we know this, people in hell can see because in verse number 23, the Bible says in hell, he lift up his eyes for you see it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment one day all of you, all of me, all of us one day somebody's going to give us a funeral. One day we're going to be laid out in a coffin. We're going to be on a bier because on that day, I want to tell you on that day, you better know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior because there is a glorious heaven to go to. Oh, this young man, Lazarus, this poor beggar, Lazarus, 
got to go to heaven. Praise the Lord. Wouldn't you love to know how to get to heaven? Oh my, just hold on. Just take a hold of your Bible. Hold on to your seat. We're going to show you how you can go to that blessed, wonderful place that is paved with pure gold where there's the bliss of angels, where our heavenly Father, where the seraphims and the cherubims minister him daily and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face. Praise the Lord, one day we're going there. Oh, but not this rich man but he's looking up from hell. He's seeing all of his surroundings in scalding tears. The passage is very clear. This is a real man. He's in a real place. He's experiencing real torment. This is a literal man in a literal body in a literal place called hell. He can see in hell. People in hell can also hear. Listen, listen just for a moment. Listen to the screams of the multiplied millions of people that are in hell. They have parched throats. There's no bottled water down there. Many years ago, I read in a magazine, the Hell's Angel of Los Angeles, California. Their leader made this statement when an evangelist approached him about this place called hell and that he could go to a place called heaven. All he had to do is repent realizes a sinner and believed that Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, was buried, and rose again the third day. You know what the leader of the hell's angel said? He said, me and all of my buddies, we're going to go to hell. When we get down there, we're going to have a beer party. Now, I've got news for you. According to the word of God, there's no beer in hell. There's no water in hell. There's no place to satisfy your thirst. Listen to the millions of souls who have a parched throat, who would give anything just to have you or I dip our finger in a cup of water and just take a drop, maybe the size of a teardrop, and go to them and put it on that tongue and just have that temporary relief. That's what's happening in hell right now. The Bible says that hell hath enlarged itself daily. The Bible says in Matthew 13, verse 42, that he shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. People in hell can hear, and they hear each other gnashing. They hear each other wailing. People in hell can also feel. In this passage of Scripture this morning, like no other in the Bible, it illustrates for us in Luke chapter 16 all of the pain and suffering that exists in hell. I want to tell you something. Hell is not a state of mind. There's a theory called rationalism that says there is no God, and because there is no God, there is no hell. Charles Darwin said those very words. But in Romans chapter 3, verse number 4, the Bible says, Let God be true, and every man a liar. Listen to this. There's also a theory called the theory of ridicule. Ridicule says there may be a God, but it's silly to speculate that a loving God in heaven would take people and cast them into hell. That would be brutal. I dislike that doctrine, Robert Ingersoll said one time. I despise the preachers that preach it, and I say to that, let God be true, and every man a liar. Then there is religion. Religion says there is a God. Religion says that he's a God of love, and therefore he would never send anybody to hell. Hellfire punishment 
is not something that the creator God of the universe would do. Many cults and liberals today believe that hell is just in a person's mind, that hell is just some kind of a thought. Some believe that it's when we die and you've been a wicked person on earth that you'll just experience annihilation. But look at our text today. Here's a rich man who had everything in this life. He fared sumptuously every day, but he's looking up from the pit of hell. He can see, he can hear, and he hears his fellow sufferers mourning and crying and screaming. You see, hell is a place where you can also feel. The Bible again tells us that hell is not a state of mind, but you can feel yourself in hell. You can feel those flames under your feet. You can feel it on your hands. Hell is a place of punishment, by the way. Matthew 25, verse 44, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Listen up now. Hell was not prepared for people. Hell was not made for you. Hell was not made for the 7.7 billion people on planet earth. It was not made for Muslims. It was not made for Buddhists. It was not made for Hindus. It was not made for Christians. It was not made for any human being. It was made for the devil. It was made for those who followed him in all of his pride, exalting himself above God. God never created hell to place you there. The only way that you can go there is by your own choice, by your own decision, by your own willful way, by your disbelief in Calvary and your disbelief that the payment of the Lord Jesus Christ shedding his blood on the cross is the only payment for your sin. For you see, you send yourself to hell. It was not a place prepared for you. Hell is also a place of fire. Look at verse 24. Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. Oh my goodness. The Bible also says, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell. That means into the fire that shall never be quenched, where the worm dieth not and where the fire is not quenched. Hell is a place of thirst again in verse 24 and verse 25. Hell is also a place of pain. Today we can go to the pharmacy. Today we can go to the doctor right down the street, right there at the hospital when we're hurting, when our heart is having a heart attack. When we're having diabetes, we can go to the doctor and get medication, but I want to tell you, there is no pharmacy in hell. There's no doctors in hell. There's no band-aids in hell. It's a wicked, awful place. But again, it's a place where people send themselves. Hell is a place of pain. Hell is a place of wrath. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation according to Revelation chapter 14. For you see, sin must be judged. God is going to sin, he's going to judge every wicked deed. Don't you ever believe for one moment that God is going to allow this world to continue on as it is. The day of judgment is coming. Who shall warn you to flee from the wrath to come? That's what this church is all about. They're on a possible mission to tell you about Glorious salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ alone and in his saving grace. Oh, but not this rich man. He would have none of it. 
He didn't have time for church. He didn't have time to hear that word called missions. He didn't have time to listen to that dear old John the Baptist. He didn't have time to listen to all of God's prophets. He didn't have time to listen to the Lord's disciples. He didn't have time. He was rich. He was busy. Oh, to keep up his home was more important to him. To take care of his camels and his oxen was far more important to him. But now he has found out that hell is a place of wrath. The prophet Habakkuk in the Old Testament cried out for the Lord to remember mercy during a time when his wrath was being poured out. That's the way God is. You realize that you're here today by God's mercy? You realize today you're not here by accident? You realize today that the Lord Jesus Christ had this day appointed for you because he doesn't want you to go to this place of wrath where he must judge sin? Oh, I want to say too that hell is a place of frustration. It is a place of anger and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But listen to this. Hell is also eternal separation from God and from all that is good and all that is decent according to Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 27. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth the heaven, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? Do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ has a book up there? That Lamb's book of life has a record of everyone who has repented and said, Dear God, you said for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You said the wages of my sin is death, but the gift of God, listen to that, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. All you have to do is call on him. Say, oh God, I'm a sinner. I deserve this place called hell. But in your mercy, in your grace, reach down to me and save my soul. Oh, I want to tell you that people in hell can have wants. The rich man wants water. Those lost in hell have desires. They no doubt want food. They no doubt want to hear a friendly voice. You see, people in hell can also remember. This poor rich man remembers every witness that came to his door on a Saturday morning. Hello. I'm from the Heritage Baptist Church. I'd like to invite you and then slam goes the door. Or like yesterday when Brother Edgar and I were knocking on a door, a young man came to the door, one of those doors that you couldn't see through. And he came to the door and we told him what we were there for. And he said, you mean to tell me that you woke me up for this and slam. He would have nothing of us. Oh, I want to tell you one day, if that dear young gentleman who was woken up mid-morning yesterday on Saturday doesn't wake up to the truth of the Scripture, doesn't wake up to the fact that God loved him and he sent some soul winners from Heritage Baptist Church, if he doesn't wake up to it one day, he'll join this rich man in hell. And he'll feel all of this pain. He'll see all of the misery. Oh, what a terrible day that would be. Hell is a place again of memory and remorse. In Luke 16, verse 25, this rich man wanted his brothers spared. Oh, my goodness, all of a sudden, 
He's having a Faith Promise Missions Conference. All of a sudden, he's having a Missions Possible Conference right there in hell. All of a sudden, this rich man is wishing that he had all of his bags of gold, that he had all of his retirement money right there. He would sponsor missionaries to go to his five brothers and tell them one story. I mean one story. Not how a dog crossed the lake and helped a poor handicapped person, no. Oh, that can make a good story, but that's not an eternal story. Oh, but he wanted them to tell about this awful place called hell. Father Abraham, if you would just send somebody from the dead here and send them to my five brothers and tell them about this awful place, surely they would believe, surely they would see the truth that I did not accept. Here's a rich man in hell having remorse. And the stock market means nothing anymore. Amen. Nothing matters to this man except one thing. I don't want my five brothers down here in hell sweating, squirming, burning in torture. How about you? How about you this morning? Are you on your way to this awful place? Is there ever a time in your life when you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Dear church member, is there a time when the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of your soul and said, go? No, I mean stay here in San Leandro, but go into all the world and help support the 120 missionary projects that this church does, plus, plus. And go into all the world and tell them the gospel. Pick up a faith promise card. you know why? Because there's a hell. There's this awful place called hell. Oh, think of that remorse in hell. But I also see that there are unanswered concerns in hell. And it motivates our mission possible. There's concern about life after death. In the country where I'm from, in Sri Lanka, they believe in reincarnation. They believe when you die that you begin to go through a recycle of life. And so in many parts of Sri Lanka and all over India, they worship the bull. And I mean those bulls have the ability to walk around. They're walking around modern streets. They're allowed to go anywhere because they're prominent, because that could be Uncle Tim. That could be Aunt Susie. That could be great, 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 great grandma from time past. She or he has reincarnated, and if they've done well and they gave to the temple well, then oh my, then they'll reincarnate into the highest form of life, which is a Brahma bull. You know what I want to say to that? Just one word, moo. We're not cattle. We're not oxen. We're human beings. We got body, soul, and spirit. And God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit sent His Holy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save our souls. Don't you reject Him. Don't you deny Him this morning. Don't you sit back, dear church member, and hold back on your faith promise missions card. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Oh, there's unanswered concerns in hell. There's also a concern about repentance. This man never gave a moment's thought to his worldly condition. He lived like he wanted to. He enjoyed himself to the full. But notice something with me. Notice that he called out to Abraham and he calls him father. Where in the world did he get that? That Abraham would be his father. It seems that he's interested in making some changes in his life. Seems to me that he was the kind of man that every January 1st he tried to turn over a new leaf. That he made some promises that this year I'm going to lose some weight. This year I'm going to be more kind. 
this year I'm going to give, maybe I'll just give a nickel, I'll give 50 cents to that beggar at my gate named Lazarus, and he made all of those brand new year resolutions. It seems to me that he's that kind of man. He's holding Abraham high in reverence and calling him Father Abraham. Yes, there's other reasons for that, but I want to call your attention to the fact that many people that are in hell today who used to curse their preacher, who used to curse the pastor of that local church, I want to tell you one day they're going to look up from the pit of hell at the great white throne judgment of God and they're going to see the pastor of this church and they're going to call him Pastor Father Fong, save me. But it's too late. The pastor can't save you. Grace is right now. Time of God's mercy is right now. Only Jesus Christ can save you. At the great white throne judgment of God, there will be no mercy. There will be no grace. It's a time of judgment to place you into that lake of fire. Oh, please miss that place. There's also concern that others miss hell. This man is not concerned about anything else again except his five brothers. My friends, we must reach them while there's time, and that's why there's this faith promise missions. We must reach the people of this world while there's time to reach them. He had a soul winner's heart in hell. Can you imagine that? Here's a man not even born again, doesn't even know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, never went to church a day in his life, never accepted Christ as his Savior and followed him in baptism like our brother Abraham did this morning and his son, never thought about it, never gave in to that. He was a proud, hard man. Oh, but now, now he's a soul winner. Now he wants somebody from Heritage Baptist Church to go to Israel, send a missionary there. Tell my brothers, tell my sisters, oh, don't wait till it's too late. You see, the Lord Jesus is coming. And when he comes, you're not going to find the pastor of the church here. You're not going to find the members of the church here. They're all going to be raptured up to glory. It'll be too late. And your destiny will have been sealed. Because anybody who's heard the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, before that great day comes, when the Lord comes in the clouds of the airs, on that day, they're going to live with regret and remorse because God is going to send them strong delusion to believe the lie of the Antichrist. Oh, there's unbelievable convictions in hell. That motivates our missions possible. Five seconds after the death of the rich man, he's convinced of some things that have been unclear to him all of his life. One of them is that hell is real. Some say this is just a story from Jesus. Some say this is just a parable, but listen, the Lord Jesus never used first names in any parable. He said the rich man and Lazarus. You know why? Because Lazarus' name was written down in glory, and it outshines the sun, and so God named his name, and it will be in God's word all for all eternity, and God will call your name so long as it's in that Lamb's book of life. Oh, but he will never call a name. He will never call a name that is not written down in glory. He doesn't write down lost souls, sinners in hell. See, hell is real. Hell is not the grave, by the way. Oh, I want to tell you, more than 70 times in the Bible it speaks of hell. In fact, the Lord wanted us to warn us about hell so much 
that there's more about hell in the Word of God than there is about heaven. He wants to tell you today, don't go to hell. Stop. Don't go there. Hell is not the grave time. The grave time. It's not a place where you go and die like a dog. You see, as a believer, once we're saved and the Lord Jesus comes from for us, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen. Are you saved today? My goodness, you can face death wide open. You can have a smile on your face. And when that death, when heart attacks and cancer begins to take your body, you can take your little hanky and wave it up into heaven and say, I've been born again by the Spirit of God, by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you've never received him, my friend, you have no handkerchief to wave. You have no hope to give. Because I want to tell you, hell is real. It's not the grave, and it is not annihilation. And by the way, hell is not purgatory. There's not a temporary place to go until you have burned off your sins. This place is an eternal place. It's a place that you can never escape from. It's a place that God one day is going to close the door, and he will remember that place no more. But you'll be there screaming, crying, in agony. Say, my goodness, if that's such a bad place, why aren't you doing something about it? That's why we're here. That's why this church goes seven days a week nonstop, why the pastor and his staff and the members of this church go night and day and why they go and knock your door, why they come to you and tell you about the blessed gospel of Jesus Christ because of this terrible place called hell. There's an unending condemnation in hell that motivates our mission possible. Listen, there'll be no more chances in hell. The rich man had light. Lazarus had light. Lazarus received it, but he didn't. He didn't die and go to hell. He went to heaven, glorious heaven. You see, the rich man chose sin over the Savior. Some people sit here, they're embarrassed. They're saying, my goodness, I couldn't come down here and tell somebody I need Jesus Christ today. I'm too embarrassed. Somebody will see me. Oh, my goodness, it's better to be seen here than it is to be seen in hell one day. It's better to swallow your pride and become humble in the sight of the Lord and come forward because you're in a congregation that loves you. People will not look down upon you because all of us were in the same condition that you were. One day, we needed a Savior There'll be no more changes in hell. There's no opportunity for that man to change anything in hell. It's all been done for him. After he's judged one day, he'll be taken just for a moment out of this place called hell. And he's going to stand at the great white throne judgment. And at the great white throne judgment, this rich man, every Christ-rejecting person, every religious unsaved person, will stand on that great white throne judgment day. Guess what the Lord's going to do to them? He's going to say, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And you're going to be placed in a place called Gehenna, the lake of fire. It's a lake. It's a lake of fire. It's not just a place of separation. It's not just a place of agony. It's a place that's called the lake of fire. When I think about that, I think of April 21st, 2019, just a few months ago, on Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka, 
We are anticipating a great day at the Colombo Bible Baptist Church. We had worked hard for several weeks to invite people to come to services and hear about our glorious resurrected Savior who alone could give them eternal life. But on that Sunday morning, maybe you were here on Easter Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday. Oh, but over there on that island of splendor that's called Sri Lanka, about the time we just started the men's Bible class, I said something unusual to them. I said, gentlemen, is everything okay in the country? You see, before we had a war, a civil war, but just that morning, early morning, real early that morning, there was just a high sense that something was not right. So when the men had gathered, my wife was teaching the ladies and I had the men. I said, men, is everything okay in the country? Yeah, they all shook their head. Until one of them, he had looked at his cell phone and he raised his hand and he said, there has been a bombing at a Roman Catholic church down there in the gumbo. And I said to him and to Shadon, I said, you two guys monitor that while we're going through our Bible lesson this morning. And so while we were having our Bible lesson, they looked up at me and indicated to me that something more was going on. We cut that Sunday Bible hour real short and asked them what was happening. And they said, apparently, three five-star hotels in Colombo have been bombed. And at least three churches have been bombed and the terrorists are still on the loose and they're trying to find other targets. And they said, don't you think we should probably dismiss and go home? And I said, no, not yet. Not yet, that's something that the Lord must call for. I mean, people have come to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. We started our worship service. The ladies class had also found out that that terrible event was taking place and unfolding, but because it was in Nagumbo, it was far north of us. We thought that we were fine, that we were safe in a country that size, though it's small. But all of a sudden, one of the men came running from the back, one of the trustees, and he pulled me to the side during the song service. And he said, Pastor, he said, we've got to stop the service. He said, there's a terrorist apparently who has just left one of the five-star hotels, and he's looking for another target. He's looking for a church, and it could be us, he's inside interior Colombo. And I said, well, let's just hold on a bit. And I stood there with him and we both prayed and we continued the song service and we had a special song when one of the other men motioned to me, asked me to come and I came down and he said, Pastor, the police have just come and they said to dismiss immediately. The terrorists are in this area and they want you to dismiss all of the people so that they can go home to safety. And so we dismissed immediately. They didn't hear the gospel message that day. Those visitors that came that day didn't hear that Jesus says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. I'm saying that to you today to tell you that one day you'll never hear the message again. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. We dismissed. We help people get on home. And I told Soren, one of the young men and the other young men, go to the wall there. We had a huge banner out there that was welcoming everybody. It identified the church and the services. It said, pull that thing off the wall there by the street. And they pulled that in and we closed down the church and we got in three-wheelers and cars and vans and everybody headed home as fast as they could. 
You could sense the deadness and the stillness already on the streets as people were scrambling to try to go home. When we reached our house, we had learned that that terrace, whose backpack bomb at the Taj Summerdraw five-star hotel in Colombo, he had gone there to the breakfast bar that day. He tried to detonate it, but it wouldn't go off. And so he left, and he came. And guess where he came? He came right down the main road that cut right down through Colombo, and he came right down Hospital Road, right exactly where the church is on. Here's the church, and he's coming this way. But there's a main thoroughfare that goes this way that goes to the zoo in Colombo. And he took a right turn. Picture this with me now. Here's the church here. And here's this terrace who's taking a turn here. If that banner still would have been out there, and if we still would have been assembled there, it may have been that he would have seen, oh, here is a good target. Here's a soft target. Here's a church having an Easter service. I can go in there and I can try once again. And he could have come right into the open gate and come inside that building and he could have detonated that bomb and everybody could have been history with this life as it's concerned. But praise the Lord. He went down the street and he found another guest house, which is a type of a hotel. And he went in there where people were just getting up, where people had hangovers from Saturday night for people who had no mind for God and no thoughts of holiness, no thought that today was the day of their salvation, but it's going to be too late. There he detonated successfully, and he blew them up, blew that hotel up, and the dust began to settle. We found out that one of our good friends for 20 years, who was a manager of the Cinnamon Grand Hotel, of the restaurant, we had witnessed to him time and time and time again. In fact, just a few days earlier, we had gone to the hotel to give him a special invitation to the Easter services, and we pleaded with him to come to that service. We knew that Roman Catholic gentleman for 20 years, and with a smile on his face, he said, I'll do my best to come. That's the farthest we had ever gotten with him in 20 years. But when we went to his funeral... Met his wife and his two daughters that he told us about often, whom he loved dearly. And we went to that home and we saw his body laid out on that byer. And family and friends were weeping and moaning, and the doctor was there and injecting his wife because she was falling apart emotionally. And all I could think of is that he had 20 years, 20 years to hear that Jesus saves. See, he wasn't supposed to be there Sunday morning at the Easter breakfast buffet. He wasn't supposed to be there. He was the manager. And he had made a decision earlier, according to his wife and daughters, that he was going to work that morning, though he was due to work the night shift, but he wanted to spend Easter day with his family. So he put somebody else on the evening shift, and he brought himself early Sunday morning to prepare the Easter buffet and that day, a terrorist came into that hotel because he wanted to catch all of the Christians who just came from an early nominal Christian service and went inside there to eat a five-star breakfast buffet. And while he was serving, apparently, that terrorist came right up beside him and others that were standing in that buffet line 
and they detonated him. Could I ask you a question? Where's that 40-year-old man today? Where is he today according to the word of God? I think of Sirhan and Getz, two men from Turkey that were in Colombo. They were working on the U.S. Embassy, a new building project going up in Colombo. They were hired as contractors to come in. One of the men in our church named Joe, a dear, sweet family, concerned about souls, had invited Sirhan and Getz to their house and invited us to come over and meet them. And there we met them and found out that they were just moderate Muslims, that they were open to hearing the gospel. We ended that dinner. We didn't get far with them. We invited them to come to church, and guess what? They came. Sirhan came to church. He sat there just like you're sitting there. He was intent on what was being said because it was the first time in his life that he ever heard that Jesus Christ is God, that he went to the cross of Calvary to pay for his sin, that there's eternal life in heaven to be had. All you have to do is ask. He was just sitting there, that kind of look on his face and said, oh my, I've never heard this before. We gave the invitation. Sirhan didn't come. Neither did Getz when he came to a service just like that. We went out after service and went out the doors back there and stood out there and talked to him. And I said, can I give you a Bible? He said, I've never owned a Bible. I've never really seen a Bible. Went and got a Bible because somebody's faith promised missions bought that Bible. And opened that Bible, took off the wrapper off of it, said, how do you spell your name? Wrote his name in there, wrote the date in there, signed our name in there, opened it to him and showed him the gospel of Jesus Christ. Sir Han, all you've got to do is confess that you're a sinner. Deny your belief system. You must repent. Accept Jesus Christ that he is God and that there is none else. That he died for your sins and paid for it. And he was looking down that whole time, a very tall man, much taller than me. And he was looking down, but he had his eyes on that Bible. And he said, I can't do it. And in front of Joe and I, he said, I can't do it. He said, if I do this, then my family in Turkey, my family will have nothing to do with me anymore. I could lose my family over this, but I'll think about it. And I said, Sir Han, today's the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And Sir Han began to walk, and he left that gate. Two weeks later, his buddy Joe at the construction site said, Sir Han, Getz, I want you to come to the Easter service. Oh, we'd like to, Joe. Don't tell me you'd like to. You need to be there. You need to be at church on Sunday. You need to hear the resurrection story. You need to hear the message. They said, well, we'll think about it. But that morning, instead of coming to church, they went to the Shangri-La Hotel that had been built just a year prior to that. Brand new, beautiful hotel overlooking the Indian Ocean off the city of Colombo. There they went to enjoy an Easter breakfast buffet, about a 25-course meal. Can you imagine that? And they went up there to lay down that kind of money to eat that breakfast buffet. We were told based on where they found their bodies that they were in the line serving that food on their plates. They fared sumptuously every day. 
They had money. They had prestige. They owned property in Turkey. They were dressed in fine linen. They had everything in this life. But they didn't know. They didn't know that a terrorist had come to that breakfast buffet and he got in line with them and he detonated successfully and blew up that brand new five-star hotel restaurant. One of our other men that works for Joe was called by law enforcement and said, you have to come and identify their bodies. And he went reluctantly. There was no body to identify. There were parts of bodies to identify. On that day, oh, I want to ask you a question. Where is Sirhan? Where is Getz this morning based on the holy word of God? Many years ago, Charles Haddon Spurgeon was told, in fact, he was kind of chastised about his desire to win souls and to go around the world. In fact, they even sang a song at that Baptist tabernacle in London, England that talked about the cool breezes of Ceylon. And one day he was questioned about his burden for souls. And he said, listen, gentlemen, at least try to make everyone that can leap over our bodies. If they must go to hell, make them come to us and leap over us. Let us cry out and hold out our hands. And that's what we did because Heritage Baptist Church said, missionary, stand up there in Colombo, Sri Lanka, and get behind the pulpit and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and hold out your hands and tell them that Jesus is coming and that Jesus will save. And that's what we did. We're not there to mess around and lay on the beaches and go boating. We're there to win souls. And Sirhan and Getz didn't come back. Didn't come to that Easter service. They'll never see another Easter service. They'll never meet you, Heritage Baptist Church member. They'll never know of your kindness and your sacrifice. They bought a Bible. They allowed a missionary to be there because somebody took a faith promise card and filled it out. Oh, but for some of you, if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to tell you that day's coming. I want to close with this quote. Many years ago, there was a great soul winner by the name of William Booth in London, England. Some young men had come to him after a great soul-winning evangelistic meeting where they went to the streets and invited people off of the streets. And he asked them, have you been called into God's service? Have you been called to be a soul winner? And they said their reply to him, called? No, I've never heard a call. And here was William Booth's reply. He said, not called? Not called, you say? No. What you must say is that you have not heard the call. He said, do this. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him. The Lord Jesus Christ bid you and go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burden, agonized heart of humanity. Listen to its pitiful wail for help. Go stand by the gates of hell. Listen to the groans and the moans, young people. Some of you want to be doctors and you want to be lawyers. You want to be engineers. You want to be rich. 
you want to earn a lot of money, give up your small ambitions and surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ to be a soul winner. Because hell is a real place. He finished his statement by saying, go by, stand by the gates of hell. Hear the burden, the agonized heart of humanity. Listen to its pitiful wail for help. And then do this. Bid your brothers, your sisters, your servants, masters not to come there. Then look Jesus Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey. And tell him whether you will join in soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. That's the message this morning. Who will stand at the gate of hell and say, don't go there. You're doing that when you give to Faith Promise Missions. You're doing that when you surrender your life and say, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll be whatever you want me to be. What a blessed thing that would be. For that to happen this morning, it would take what we call a revival.